Today we shall continue with our short series of demo talks on the five controlling faculties. Bancha Indriani in the Pali scriptural language. And so, uh, you know, the special topic is the controlling faculty of wisdom, part two. Now, as stated on several occasions during earlier demo talks, a controlling faculty exercises control in its respective sphere. So in the case of the factor that we are looking at today, the sphere is the sphere of discernment, dasana in the Pali scriptural language, and satna that then covers a range of mental states, namely you know, going from wisdom on the one hand side you know, to ignorance on at the other end. Now, the relevant Satna passage for you know, the controlling faculty of wisdom can be found in the 48th collection of discourses in the Samyutta Nikaya, namely Discourse Satnet 9, and there it Satna says, and I'll quote Satna, the translation by Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi. And what Satna Bhikkhus is the faculty of wisdom here? The noble disciple is wise, he or she possesses wisdom directed to a rising passing way, which is noble and penetrative, leading to the complete destruction of suffering. This is called the faculty of wisdom. Now, As explained in the previous Satna Dhamma talk, the characteristic of Satna wisdom is that of penetrating objects according to their intrinsic nature. And Satna, the function of Satna wisdom is to illuminate the objective field. And Wisdom then manifests as non-bewilderment or as non-delusion. Now, during the previous Dhamma talk on Friday, we explored quite a number of qualities that have to do with the nature of wisdom. So, for instance, its place in the Abhidhamma and some and then mm, we went on to uh, explore you know, factors that contribute to the arising of uh, wisdom, and there are quite a number of uh, those, such as association with the Supreme Person, and some. Uh, then listening to the Dhamma, paying careful attention, and actually applying what one has heard to one's practice. Now, towards the end of the previous Satna Dhamma talk, as part of 
Fertner, the aspect of developing the controlling faculty of wisdom. Reference was certainly made to the Bhattisambhida Magga, namely its fourth chapter, discourse or section four. And in that certain passage, we find some very simple advice on how to develop wisdom, the controlling faculty of wisdom. Namely, it says, when one is abandoning ignorance, in the Pali scripture language given as anyana, jnana is the Pali term for insight knowledge, anyana, the prefix a makes it the opposite. So when one is abandoning ignorance, one is obviously developing wisdom. The controlling faculty of wisdom. When one is developing the wisdom faculty, one is automatically abandoning ignorance. So we have this uh, very clear relationship between wisdom and certainly ignorance being being two opposite states. Now, For a better understanding of ignorance, allow me to refer to a long list of synonyms that has been, or that is certainly being mentioned in the Dhamma Sangani, namely uh, the first Abhidhamma work. And Ignorance is certainly then described in several basic aspects. One is with regard certainly to truth, namely the noble truth of fitness suffering or the noble truths as a whole. And certainly then also ignorance with regard to an inability to grasp the three universal characteristics of impermanence, anicca, of unsatisfactoriness, dukkha, and the absence of that formations are not identical with a self. Now, So synonyms for ignorance would be not seeing the truth, adasana, incomprehension of the truth, anabhisamaya, lack of proper knowledge of the truth, ananubodha in Pali, and then with regards to the uh, three universal characteristics, the inability to grasp well, namely anicca, dukkha, and anatta, asamgahana in Pali, the inability to grasp completely, 
no, sorry, the inability to view correctly the three universal characteristics. And then some other more general aspects are the inability to distinguish between right and wrong, and then the inability to reflect properly, then that which destroys purity of mind, do major, foolishness, lack of clear comprehension, bewilderment, intense bewilderment, bamoha, and absolute bewilderment, samoha. Now, other terms that, modern terms, that one that might certainly propose certainly here are uh, simply stupidity and certainly then dullness, prejudice, ideological dogmatism, fanatism, wrong views, and so on. Now, you might certainly recall from the previous Satna Dhamma talk, the characteristic of ignorance consists of two aspects, namely mental blindness, being one, and unknowing, anyana, being the other. The function of Satna ignorance is what? Non-penetration. Non-penetration of the respective object of observation, and a second function is to conceal the true nature of an object. It is manifested as the absence of right certain view or understanding, in particular with regard to the truth of fitness suffering, and then it is manifested as mental darkness. The proximate cause, so the nearest cause for you know, the arising of ignorance, is given as unwise or unjustified attention. So ignorance certainly could or should certainly then be regarded as the root of all that is unwholesome. So ignorance satna will be present when greed is prevalent in the mind. Ignorance will be present when hatred is prevalent in the mind. And ignorance is also present when, let's say, sloth and torpor prevails, or restlessness, or shamelessness, or fearlessness of wrongdoing, and sadness, so on. Several passages given in the Samyutta Nikaya define ignorance uh, as not knowing the Four Noble Truths, namely the Noble Truth of Suffering, the Noble Truth of its Origin, its Cessation, and the Path Leading to its Cessation. Now, what we shall do is 
explore the nature of ignorance a bit more so that we better understand what this mental factor is all about because it is so prevailing. And in this regard, there's a discourse that is entitled The Diversity of the Unwholesome Roots. A discourse found in the third volume of the Anguchanikaya, namely, oh, sorry, the collection of threes, Discourse 68. So, with regard to greed, hatred, and delusion, the following is being mentioned. There may be outsiders, oh monastics, who will ask you, there are, friends, three states of mind, namely greed, hatred, and delusion. What is their distinction, their diversity, their difference? So questioned thus, O disciples, you may explain to those outsiders or heretics in this way. Greed is a lesser fault and fades away slowly. Hatred is a great fault and fades away slowly or quickly. Quickly, that's correct. And delusion is a great fault and fades away slowly. There you go. So, when the mind is very much overwhelmed by ignorance, and the ignorance basically pervades most of our actions, then it might take a long time for that ignorance to fade away. So clearly, ignorance is an unwholesome mental state. It's the first among the 14 unwholesome mental states, Akusalachetasika, mentioned in the Abhidhamma, and it arises, to state this once again, in all unwholesome consciousness or in all unwholesome mental states. Now, ignorance is so pervasive and so deeply instilled in the mind that it takes a lot of work to uproot it. And it takes not just the first path of noble path of stream entry, nor the second path of once return, nor the third path of non-return, but rather it takes arahanship. So the attainment of the fourth and last path of enlightenment to fully eradicate ignorance. So that ignorance of ours is likely to be around and stick around for a little longer. 
Now, because it is such an underlying mental state, it gets mentioned as the first factor among the formula of dependent origination. Now, the Patisamida Magga, namely the path of discrimination, mentions a total of 73 different kinds of knowledge that uh, uh, might arise out of practice. So, in the presence of ignorance, will any of those 73 kinds of knowledge arise? Not a single one. Ignorance is the primary root of all unwholesomeness and suffering in the world, veiling one's mental eyes and preventing one from seeing the true nature of formations. It is delusion tricking beings by making life appear to be permanent, happy, substantial, and beautiful, and preventing one from seeing everything in reality is impermanent, liable to suffering, void of an eye and mind, and basically impure. It is certainly this ignorance that ultimately causes us certainly to travel from one existence to the next. Now, Dhammapada verse certainly 317 states the following around ignorance. Out of ignorance we see danger in what is not dangerous. We do not see danger in what is dangerous, hold wrong views and go to a lower plane of existence. So out of existence, out of ignorance, we worry unnecessarily about things that are really not worth worrying. We sorrow out of attachment, and even this is not certainly necessary. So ignorance has a strong tendency to distort our cognition, dominate certain volition, and determine our entire or the entire tone of our existence. Now, the arising and the presence of ignorance in the mind, in the absence of mindfulness, is likely to, or potentially, can have devastating results. Can you think of any possible results? Out of ignorance, we're likely to engage in acts of, or one might engage in acts of killing. 
out of ignorance one might be tempted to take what is not given, one might engage in sexual misconduct, in wrongful speech, then in backbiting, harsh language, gossip, covetousness, ill will and wrong view, holding wrong views. So basically, based or based on ignorance, there is at least a potential that certain one then engages in one or the other of the ten forms of misconduct. Now, an action performed out of ignorance will have certain consequences, namely karmic consequences. And those will ripen wherever we happen to be reborn. So, going off to the Himalayas and hiding in a cave will not help us to get away from the karmic repercussions. So, any activity, any action done based on ignorance will have karmic consequences, vipaka, and those will catch up with us sooner or later, be it in this certain very existence or some future existence. Now, wars are fought in many cases out of ignorance. Namely, holding certain religious ideals and certainly then thinking that everyone should adhere to those and certainly cherish those and then forcing others in that way. Or a word might certainly take place out of some political theory and then holding certain views, certain ideas, and those certainly then are considered to be reason enough to attack another country or the people of some other group of people. Ignorance can be so prevalent that we don't even notice it. It's kind of like being in the midst of a forest and no longer noticing the trees. Now, the Kalamadna Sutta 
given in the Anguttara Nikaya contains a passage that is very much relevant to our exploration of ignorance. So you have Fatnir the Buddha and larger group of monastics following that Satna then one day came or arrived in the town of Kesaputta and then the inhabitants of Fatna that Satna town soon found out about the Buddha's Satna presence and Satna, the word, spread Satna quickly and they went and paid respect Satna to him and Satna his following. And they had Satna been wandering for quite some time on occasion some Brahmin or ascetic would come to the town, hold a certain view, praise that certain view, and Satna then denigrate and Satna speak in well in a derogative manner of other views, opposing views. And then Sometime later, another ascetic or Brahmin would come again, then speak of a different certain set of ideas and praise those ideas and denigrate the ideas of others. So in the end, Satna the Kalama Satna no longer knew whom to believe. And so they address the Buddha with this issue and ask for advice. In this regard, the Buddha gives the following answer, namely, it is fitting for you sorry, to be perplexed, Kalamas, fitting for you to be in doubt. So he acknowledges their uh, doubt. Doubt has arisen in you about a perplexing matter. Come, Kalamas, do not go by oral tradition, by lineage of teaching, by hearsay, by a collection of scriptures, by logical reasoning, by inferential reasoning, by reasoned cogitation, by acceptance of a view after pondering it, by the seeming competence of a speaker, or because you think the ascetic is our guru, our teacher. But when Kalamas you know for yourselves these things are unwholesome, these things are blameworthy, these things are censored by the wise, these things, if accepted and undertaken, lead to harm and suffering. Then you should abandon them. So a clear statement to 
abandon any kind of fitness state that leads to unwholesomeness, and that is blameworthy. Now, ignorance, no doubt, belongs to those things that are unwholesome, blameworthy, and certainly worth to be given up right away. Now, when it comes to the abandoning of ignorance, how then do we proceed? Would a proper path be to study the various arts and certain sciences? What do you think? Will this help to abandon ignorance? It will abandon our worldly type of ignorance, of worldly knowledge, or lack of knowledge, but from a spiritual point of view, it will not help much. So the Buddha Netness says, the study of the various arts and sciences is not required for the elimination of ignorance. And that Satna would not be necessary. And Satna, hence, the Buddha Satna did not speak about Satna. This did not Satna encourage this at all. Now, once one has certainly seen how acting out of ignorance brings harm to oneself as well as certain harm to others and both, one might certainly then decide for one's own sake to abandon ignorance and then to start doing something about it. How then do we abandon ignorance? Well, one approach would be to focus on feelings. Namely, among feelings, we have uh, three. A pleasant feeling, an unpleasant feeling, and a neither unpleasant nor pleasant feeling. So, in other words, a neutral feeling. Now, the definition of a neutral feeling is certainly given in the Majjhima Nikaya, section one, volume one, section three o three, as whatever is felt bodily or mentally as neither soothing nor hurting is neither painful nor pleasant feeling. Now, 
when an object, let us say a physical object, like a chill or a thrill, so distinctly or in a very distinct certain object arises or presents itself to the mind, then this is likely to be accompanied or this well will likely lead to the arising of a pleasant feeling, the experience of a pleasant feeling. Now, in the case of a pain, in the absence of mindfulness, when a pain presents itself, then it's likely to go along with an unpleasant feeling. I'm not saying in each and every case, but for the most part. When an object is not distinctly desirable, nor distinctly undesirable, and lacks certain distinct features, and there are many such objects, then it's likely to be accompanied by a neutral feeling. There you go. Now, the connection between a neutral feeling and the arising of ignorance then is described by the Buddha in the following passage, namely from the 148th Discourse of the Majjhima Nikaya, paragraph 28. Because bhikkhunis and lay retreatants dependent on the physical eye with which we see and forms eye-consciousness arises. The meeting of the three is contact. With contact as condition, there arises a feeling felt as pleasant or painful or neither painful nor pleasant. When one is touched by a neither painful nor pleasant feeling, if one does not understand as it actually is, the origination, the disappearance, the gratification, the danger, and the escape in regard to that feeling, then the underlying tendency to ignorance lies within one. So, an object is there, it lacks uh, uh, distinct qualities, so the object is bland in uh, nature, and uh, as a result, uh, uh, the mind is not observing uh, properly, and certainly uh, one does not see the very arising, the occurrence, and mm, the dissolution of uh, that uh, feeling. So, no, no, not seeing, not understanding mm, you know, the arising, the occurrence, and certainly then the passing, plus the gratification and the danger and, uh, with regard to you know, that certain feeling, well, neutral feeling, that certain then is the underlying mm, tendency to ignorance. So it will lead to the arising of ignorance. So, if 
in line with the Patisamida Manka, we want to develop the control and the wisdom the faculty, then one way of doing this is to weaken and possibly even abandon its opposite, namely ignorance. And one approach here is you know, to be mindful of neutral feelings, knowing that uh, in the absence of mindfulness, a neutral feeling might easily lead on to the arising of ignorance. So, the relevant instruction from the Satipatthana Sutta with regard to the observation of a neutral feeling is as follows. When feeling a neutral feeling, one knows I feel a neutral feeling. Or, more specifically, the same passage then distinguishes between a worldly neutral feeling and an unworldly neutral feeling. Now, Of much importance in regard to abandoning ignorance is wise attention or the lack of it. And the Buddha has certainly this to say to his group of Fatna disciples. Suppose some other people, uh, some ascetics come and ask you, but what, friends, is the reason unarisen delusion arises and arisen delusion increases and expands? You should answer careless attention. So for one who attends carelessly, unarisen delusion arises and arisen delusion increases and expands. This, friends, is the reason unarisen delusion arises and arisen delusion increases and expands. On the other hand, Suppose suddenly those uh, ascetics and Brahmins ask you, but when, but what, friends, is the reason unarisen delusion does not arise and arisen delusion is abandoned, you should answer careful attention. Now, for one who tends carefully, unarisen delusion does not arise and arisen delusion is abandoned. This, friends, is the reason unarisen delusion does not arise and arisen delusion is abandoned. So in this certain context, a wise attention or 
unwise attention then plays an extremely important role. So, attention, manasikara, literally translates as the making in the mind, and it's the mental factor for the advertence, for the mind's advertence to an object. So for the mind's turning towards a particular object. Now, in the presence of Fatna ignorance in the mind, if one thinks, well, it's okay for the mind to be in an ignorant state for a while, being ignorant, one suffers less, one might say. And so, uh, so thinking like this, then one simply one allows the ignorance to continue. Which then strengthens the ignorance. But if one pays careful attention to careful and wise attention to the very presence of ignorance. One adverts the mind towards it and does not just tolerate it and just let it be. Then there is room for hope and that then will lead to the non-arising of delusion. So, if our intention is to weaken and abandon ignorance in order to strengthen the wisdom and to develop the controlling faculty of wisdom, then we can, we should, we should start paying attention to this mental factor of wise attention or careful attention. Now, there's still more that we can do in order you know, to gain a handle on the ignorance. Namely, to resort to instructions given in the Satipatthana Sutta, this time with regard to, to the mind, namely Chittanupasana Satipatthana. And there we find the following. And how does a retreatant abide contemplating mind as mind? Here a retreatant understands mind affected by lust as affected by lust, and a mind unaffected by lust as unaffected certainly by lust. Then, along the same line, instructions are stated for hate and the absence of hate. And certainly then, next, one understands a mind affected by delusion as affected by delusion and a mind unaffected by delusion as unaffected by delusion. Now, 
Does certainly these instructions say that one should certainly immediately suppress the ignorance? It does not say this. So the instruction is stated in a way that encourages a retreatant to carefully and mindfully investigate the nature of ignorance. It is in seeing the nature, the characteristics, you know, the functions, the manifestations of ignorance and also you know, knowing its, its proximate causes that we then better understand what this mental factor is all about and we also then learn ways and means to overcome ignorance. So it's by f actually facing the ignorance when it suddenly presents in the stream of consciousness. Now, when it comes to uh, ignorance, we can dis distinguish uh, various grades of it, namely a transgressive form of ignorance, an obsessive form of ignorance, and then a latent form of ignorance. So this is in line with the three grades of the mental defilements. Now, it is with or by carefully observing and a code of ethical conduct that we ensure that our actions by body and speech are uh, pure and are free you know, from ignorance, free from any activity that's, uh, um, that otherwise that might arise based on ignorance. So this is something that it is through virtue that uh, we are called to overcome the transgressive grade of ignorance. Now, this is a good start, but not sufficient. Because still a more subtle level of ignorance remains, namely in the form of obsessive ignorance. So ignorance that does not necessarily translate into physical action or verbal action, but rather a form of certain ignorance or grade of ignorance that manifests only in the mind. So thinking thoughts propelled by ignorance. So thinking that it's okay you know, to take someone else's property or you know, thinking that it's okay you know, to engage in you know, sexual misconduct and so on. So it is certain you know, through the training in concentration, samadhi, seka, that uh, the Buddha, you know, or that we can overcome you know, this second grade of ignorance. So far, so good, but uh, still the latent form or dormant form of ignorance remains in uh, the stream of consciousness. So ignorance, the potential for ignorance is there. 
However, in the absence of any trigger, it will just be there in a dormant form. Now, that latent or dormant ignorance is the most difficult to address, and it is the training in a wisdom, panyasika, that is required to overcome this grade of latent ignorance. So then we can also use the training in virtue, the training in concentration, and the training in wisdom as ways to then overcome various grades of ignorance. Maybe this much in terms of ways to overcome ignorance, and there are probably many more. Let us move on and explore the aspect of balancing the controlling faculties uh, just a little bit more. During earlier demo talks on the controlling, the various controlling faculties, mm, this balance was already mm, being explored to some extent. Now, the balance of the controlling faculties in the Pali scriptural language is known under the term Indriya Samatha. And Samatha is spelled as S-A-M-A-T-T-A. And this equilibrium or this balance of the controlling faculties is indispensable for the realization of the spiritual attainments. Because when one faculty becomes strong and the others are weak, then the weak ones do not perform their respective functions properly. So they are then hindered in their functioning. If, for instance, the faculty of faith is stronger than the others, then the faculty of energy cannot perform its function of exerting, the faculty of mindfulness its function of establishing, and the faculty of concentration its function of not distracting, and the faculty of wisdom its function of understanding. So it is only when those certain controlling faculties of faith and certain wisdom are well balanced as well as effort and concentration and then all five of them only then will a realization of the Dhamma be possible. The Venerable Sadhu Panita Bhiwams of Burma on several occasions has stated that as long as those five controlling faculties are not well balanced in a retreat and 
it will be close to not impossible for him or her to realize the Dhamma. And much shortened time, you know, and it could take a long time to realize the Dhamma. However, for one in whom the controlling faculties are well balanced, in no time can the Dhamma be realized. Now, more could be said on the controlling faculties, their general nature, but we'll keep that for the next Dhamma talk. Allow me to conclude today's Satna Dhamma talk by wishing. May may you be in a position to uh, well understand what this controlling faculty is of wisdom is all about. Also to be well familiar with the nature of its opposite, namely ignorance, and by time and again weakening and abandoning ignorance may you know, the controlling faculty of wisdom arise and get stronger and stronger and then you know, together with the remaining controlling faculties may uh, it contribute to a realization of the peace of Nibbana within this very retreat. And this is it for now. Thank you.